welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. So uh, welcome. Uh, For everybody who does not know uh, Luke and Ashton um, Haynes, Luke and Ashton, if you can introduce yourself, how long you've been in private practice, where your practice is at, um, that would be a great start. Sure. So we've been in private practice starting um, in probably 1997. So um, 25 plus years. Uh, We we are located in Weatherford, Texas. We are right outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, probably uh, a 20 minute outside. So we're a little bit less of uh, uh, the urban uh, uh, type of a practice, but we still, uh, as our area grows, we're getting there. Um, We have been through lots of ups and downs over the years. We've seen great times. We've seen terrible times. Um, One of the best things that we have done as a practice is reach out to um, Chad and the Breakthrough Group uh, right at two years ago, uh, and we can talk more about it, but it has been a game changer for us. Thanks, Luke. Anything to add there, Ashton? Um, just, I have not been with the practice since 1997. Um, <laughs> I, I joined the team about 11 years ago and, um, I started out as a rehab tech and worked my way up to a uh, co-owner. So. Nice. Thank you. And, uh, Jeff, same thing. Yeah. Um, actually been in business with one of my partners and all patients since, uh, I, uh, left school in 1987. Uh, our current entity, as it's known, was formulated in 2003. So uh, technically, we've been in business together since 2003 um, uh, as or operating as a chief therapy and fitness. We're based in eastern North Dakota and uh, western uh, Minnesota with currently eight locations. A uh, number of those are small operations, uh, one uh, where we have uh, one therapist in uh, rural communities. Great. So the main thing that we're going to be talking about here uh, for everybody that's watching right now is helping your team transition over to direct to consumer because there is there's change you know we're playing who moved my cheese here and uh, you get some uh, maybe some resistance or recalcitrance that happens to all of us right and by the way for everybody watching if you have any questions for Luke Ashton or Jeff you can just type those in the Q&A and we will have some time here at the end so Luke and Ashton want to start with you you're, uh, I know you've talked about this uh, several times, and we've even uh, talked about it um, at, at dinner recently um, in Philly. But so you, you decide to make the change. Can you talk about uh, how you came to that point of, okay, I want to figure out marketing. I've always kind of pushed marketing off to the side. We want to do it. Now you bring it back to the team, right? We're going to learn how to go direct to the consumer. And can you talk about what happened there? Did you have any recalcitrance? Did you have any? Um, rebels, you know, any mutiny and how did you handle that? So we actually expected a lot of pushback. Um, but the team we had in place at the time when we, when we joined two years ago had been with us through a lot of the lean times and they were honestly excited at the idea of a steady flow of patients rather than, um, relying on physicians back in 2014, we moved our office And we went from renting a space from a very busy orthopedic surgeon to 
renting a space from a private person. So we lost about 30% of our doctor referrals. Um, and we didn't want to do that again. So instead of just trying to, you know, buy the best box seats at the Rangers games or the stars or wherever, um, we decided let's just, let's just go to the people. They get to choose where they go for therapy. So, um, let's just cut out the middleman. So it was, it was nice for us. Uh, we had already kind of made a little bit of a transition over to going directly to the consumer, definitely not in the capacity that we are now. Um, so as far as re resistance to implementation, honestly, the very first resistance was from Ashton. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm online and I'm seeing things. I see this, this curious little breakthrough thing and, hey, we can do this and, you know, talk, talk to us. And so got on the phone and talked to, um, I guess it was Caleb. Uh, so talked a little bit and said, well, do you want to come check it out? You know, we, we hop on the plane, go out and we have an idea what we're getting into. We don't know how, how much we're getting into. At this point in time, we are running lean and mean and um, our advertising budget is, I don't know, 15 bucks a month. Uh, you know, nothing basically. Um, oh, I see that. I'm putting a little bit out on, on Facebook and so forth, but not, not really promoting, uh, really word of mouth. And so we get there and we talk about it and, and we talk about, okay, this, this is what we're expecting and this is what we can get from it. So we do the math and, you know, quite honestly, Ashton was one I had to say, you know, we can, we can either keep playing this same game that we're playing and I'll turn around and then I'll be 75 and still doing the same thing. Or we can decide to, to be aggressive, we can kind of go for it. And honestly, once she looked at it and we agreed that it was a good move, then um, getting staff on board was honestly, it, it, it was easy for us. Great. No, no trauma there at all. Jeff, and I'm sure it was just smooth sailing for you as well. Yeah, um, you know, we had done some traditional methods. The, the biggest struggle for us in, in, uh, my, uh, in the partnership was um, looking at our uh, ROI on what we were doing. Um, you know, anecdotally, everyone was saying, well, our best sources are, uh, are uh, family members and, and people referring their, their family members. And but it was all anecdotal. There was no data behind it. And, and with the, the radio advertising or the print advertising, uh, we weren't getting good measurement of that. Part of it is because we didn't have systems in place to do so. Um, uh, so we had uh, explored uh, breakthrough and we dabbled a little bit in Facebook doing truly organic, just posting no paid advertising and, and that didn't work. But uh, once we signed on to do the, the growth expert, um, it, really blossomed for us um, and going with that method and using the seven step, seven step killer exam. Uh, there's some resistance in people changing their methodology and saying, I have a system that works. I, I do it my way and it works fine. Like, well, it works, but it can work better. So implementing the systems was key to the success of it and attracting those, those people and certainly building their reputation. I mean, that's one of the benefits that we've seen from it and becoming uh, known as the, uh, the local expert. Great, so Jeff, are you okay if we dive a little bit deeper on the, uh, the seven step killer exam because that is very common? Yes, 
So for those of you that are watching and not familiar, seven-step killer exam is a, a way, a structured way to do primarily the, um, the initial evaluation in a way that the person signs up for the full plan of care, patient signs up and agrees to the full plan of care on day number one. And um, it is, uh, it's not radically different from what most of us are used to, but it, there, there are some sequential steps that we just tested, um, not only here, but with, I think we've had 1200 other practices go through that training. And we, we just have, we've seen this work the best. So Jeff, can you, you made it sound super easy that, you know, you just talk with a therapist and say, oh, let's try it this way. And that works. Can you think of a real life example without throwing anybody under the bus <laughs> and walking through um, about how you did that, how you handled that? How you getting them to accept it or? Yeah, so I, I'm your therapist. Hey, Jeff, I've been in practice for 21 years. I don't need to learn what I'm doing works just fine. How what does that conversation sound like from your end? Well, the biggest struggle that we faced was, um, you know, going from that notion of the, the therapist having a patient put on their schedule and knowing well, I'm just going to proceed and do my, my thing. Whereas the biggest obstacle that we faced was uh, the, the sales aspect, if you will. And, you know, this is someone that you are, they've raised their hand and said, Hey, I need help. I want help. Um, but then to identify those problems and say, this is what it is. And this is how we're going to proceed with it. And people felt that I think they got hung up on the aspect that they were trying to convince someone that they needed to stay with their therapy or that therapy was the solution to their problems rather than, you know, going and getting an injection. So that was that, that obstacle. Um, in addition to, hey, this is uh, someone on my schedule that I'm not going to get paid for right now, and you mean giving like up a free time, screen. you know. So. so that would be like a free screen or free exam. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got yeah. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, with the free screen. So, uh, but yeah, the other was, uh, yeah, just getting them to follow the steps and all the steps, not just taking parts that they wanted to do, but following that whole sequence because. Um, we're finding as we grow, the only way we can grow efficiently is implementing those steps that be, can be carried through with every clinician and with every facility. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Luke and Ashton, same thing. Any issues with uh, workshop presenter, implementing the seven-step killer exam, implementing anything across the board? We, we, we really didn't face any backlash with any of the systems. Um, so with, with our with our staff at that time, bringing new staff on board, we absolutely let them know coming in. Listen, we do a lot of direct-to-consumer marketing. These are the things that we do. And, and it's just understood from, from day one. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And we're, 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 we're driving for these full plans of care that, and then that was a drastic shift from what we had done before. Prior to our, our approach was, well, let's just schedule one week at a time so we don't get out there and have problems with uh, cancellations and so forth. Uh, but as far as, as our, our, pre, our, our staff that was on board when we joined, uh, because we had uh, spent time talking to them a little bit about the value of a, a new patient, the value of a plan of care, and how that translated into our ability to honestly 
provide pay, provide pay increases, provide bonus structure. Uh, that really helped them get on board and it helped them understand that there is value in what they do. Um, as therapists, we tend to undervalue what we do and, and our real value. And, and so putting it in that regard, I think helped them understand why we were doing it. We weren't just trying to act like used car salesmen and trying to you know, make all this money and, and do all this flim flam stuff, but there was value in it. And, and they understood that quite well. It wasn't a pushback, but one of the issues we did have when we started implementing the free screens is um, we had a PT who couldn't do a free screen. She couldn't turn off the evaluation side of her brain and have a 15 minute conversation. And it, it wrecked her whole schedule for the whole day every time. Um, but we found we had another therapist who could do a free screen in 10 minutes and her conversion was at like 95%. So those were just some changes we made on our end of, you know, learning what the therapists could and couldn't do. Great point. Um, we did have a question come in from Ashley. I see that. Uh, by the way, if you have a question for Luke, Jeff, or Ashton, you can type that in the Q&A. One more question for you. We'll start with you, uh, Luke and Ashton. Go back two years. So like before and after, you talked about um, you know losing 30% of your referrals overnight, going through that process and the, the feeling of uh, vulnerability that you had. What does your practice look like today? What does the future look like? How are you thinking about um, the, the remainder of 2021 here in 2022? Let you take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so it, like you said, we relied heavily on, on physician referrals before, and it was, there was just no certainty. Um, now, as long as we, we do what we're supposed to do and follow the systems, we know where our patients are coming from and we know they're going to come. Um, we know how to handle the slow seasons because we all know we have them. Um, so, so the future is looking amazing. I had a goal for, um, Q4 of 2021 at one of our offices to be seeing 300 patient visits a week. Uh, we beat that in quarter two and we're now at 325 a week steadily. So, um, it's, it's rocking and rolling. Things are, things are going well, as long as we do what we're supposed to do and we stay focused, then it, it's just, it's automated. You know, we, we opened a, um, a second location in March of 20, uh, 2020. Um, horrible time to open a new location. However, we, we really weren't concerned about uh, the impact that COVID was having. Um, here, we have fewer restrictions uh, throughout the whole process than, than most of the country. Uh, but we knew that once once the pandemonium settled down a little bit, our referrals, our, our, our new patients were, were going to come. Um, it was just a matter of us implementing what we had to do, like Ashton said, and um, then that part was there. At this, at this point, you know, going back to what you said in the introduction, at, at this point, I don't, I don't fear opening new locations. Um, I do want to make sure that we're slow with that. We don't want to grow so fast uh, that we have a challenge filling our personnel piece. That's that's the biggest issue for us uh, is making sure that we have quality people who understand our product, who understand what we're putting out there. Um, and, and one of the bigger things is is continually assessing 
the systems that we have put in place. Are we are we doing this well enough? So, for example, right now, uh, everybody I know here in Texas, everybody is taking the biggest vacation they've ever taken in their lives because they haven't done anything in 18 months. So as a result, we've seen a small dip in, in, in our numbers. Um, so we see that in our metrics and we really start to dial in and, and, and look at that. Uh, but, but with the system, it's given us the opportunity to look at that information. Whereas before we just, you know, patients show up, we treat them, we try to be the best therapist ever, but really never take a close look at what it's doing as a business. Uh, and for me, that's one of the biggest takeaways that we get is, is looking at it as, as a business. Yes, it's a PT business, but at the end of the day, we're looking for profit. We're looking for revenue. We're looking for uh, those things that, that make this a success. Thanks, Luke. Same question, Jeff. Before and after, you had a, an, a plan to expand a few years ago. Can you talk about um, what life is like now with the direct-to-consumer marketing and how that works into your plan moving forward? Yeah, the um, uh, there's been some, <clears throat> at least regionally, changing on the landscape, so the direct-to-consumer is becoming even more uh, uh, crucial, and, and uh, we're going to have even increase uh, the amount of contact that we we have because the uh, what you alluded to in the opening segment talked about how there's changing with marketing and uh, the hospital systems are picking up on that uh, you know they're uh, they are making it even uh, more difficult uh, best thing with the direct access is the the follow-up and staying in touch with those so we get those patients in and uh, we're treating them as patients for life i mean that's the attitude that we're taking and the importance of uh, the continual communications, and that's what brings in their their family members. Um, on top of the success, you know, the really the whole underlying uh, success of it is driven by the quality care that's uh, delivered by our our staff, and and you know, so the training aspect of, of the clinical skills is is crucial to that. Not only feeds into the into the system, but uh, we've had changing landscape, and things have changed here. Uh, just within the last month, and we're facing some greater challenges, uh, but uh, it did allow us to uh, expand one of our spaces in one of the small uh, rural communities. Um, we had the targets that we had for growth leading into the uh, COVID uh, thing. We stayed on track with that, and we only saw a small dip, but you know, right now uh, we're uh, Try not to grow too fast because we've been guilty of that in the in the past. Um, but right now, it's uh, you know we're keeping a steady course and just going to utilize the tools that the system provides us and and increase that communication with our existing past and present patients. Great, thanks, Jeff. Love what you said there about uh, therapist for life, being the patient's therapist for life. That's great. Um, the Question from Ashley, uh, Jeff and Luke, are you cash pay only or do you also take insurance? Yeah, so we, we're definitely uh, insurance. We'll take insurance. We do cash pay, um, what, whatever we can do to accommodate uh, the patients. So we, we, we do both. Uh, we, we do as well. We're increasing our cash pay just with the, the growth of higher deductibles and out-of-pocket expenses and people not wanting to they want to stay with us and not go, they're willing to pay out of pocket so that they receive our care and not have to go to uh, someone who's in network for them. But yeah, we're primarily uh, insurance. We happen to live in a part of the country where we have great payers. So. Yeah, 
Great. Um, thank you both for that. Uh, I'll do a quick public service announcement. There is a, <laughs> a talk a lot with private practice owners, not just within PT, that have this mental block of, um, you know, that taking insurance, accepting insurance is a different set of rules than cash pay. And I can tell you from a marketing standpoint, um, most of the principles that we share stemmed from, came from, originated in cash-based services. Because if you can sell a cash-based service, then an insurance should just be lower hanging fruit. Like it, it just makes it easier. The unfortunate thing that I know both of you are, or everyone here is facing as well is now we have $5,500 deductibles and $75 co-pays per visit. So, you know, we're, in our practice, we're over a million dollars a year in cash collections. So it's very much the same principles apply. It's not, there's not two different rules, you know, one for insurance based and one for cash pay practices. But thanks for the question, Ashley. The other one that came in was a comment from Quab. And so the comment was, was in the process of expanding 2,500 to 5,000 square feet. I will be holding off hashtag 20 mile March. Just so you're in a unique position here. You can talk with somebody. Can you, for Luke and Ashton and also Jeff, can you talk through, like, how would you give advice? Um, because the, I, maybe I misspoke earlier, like restraint doesn't necessarily mean not growing. For us, it's, we have a 20% year-over-year growth marker that we're, we're just trying to stay on track there. So if that means that we have to open a seventh clinic, which we've already started planning, then we're going to be, be doing that. We're going to proceeding, be proceeding forward. However, I'm not going to say, hey, next year we're going to open six more clinics, right? That, that, that was the intention there. But um, for anybody here, could, any advice for Quab as he's thinking about expanding? What, how would you think through that? How would you do that? in terms of it going from 2,500 to 5,000 square feet? Well, I, I, I can address that a little bit. Uh, for, for me, what that would look like would be, what is my current staff utilization? Um, have, I, have I maximized those folks um, up to a level that they should be? Uh, in, my, in my 2,500 square feet, have I utilized that space well enough? Um, am, am I leaving, and in that regard, how am I doing with my debt, with my, my cash flow, with my, am I taking some profit already? Um, I, I would want to know that. Um, and, and if I've got a lot of extra volume that I'm just not dealing with, it's a no brainer for me. I want that space so that I can utilize more space and bring in more people, especially if my staff are, are, are either underutilized or, or right at the, the max, then of course, then we have to look at bringing on more staff. Uh, but if I've got room and I'm leaving, I'm leaving patients out there for somebody else to see, and I can just increase my 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 rent space a little bit. Uh, for me, um, it's a no-brainer. I do want to make sure that I've got my systems in place um, and that I'm watching that that utilization of uh, uh, of staff and current space, though. And I guess the only thing I'd add to that, I totally uh, agree, and it boils down to uh, making a, um, a measured system, you know, utilizing the metrics and looking at it and looking at trends and not just based emotionally. Uh, you know, we're in smaller areas and rural areas and we draw from a large area. So part of our growth has been people saying, 
hey, if you're only closer, I know I could get you a bunch of people. And it's great to hear that. But again, that's anecdotal. And uh, we've done that and we've been able to succeed in some areas and other, other areas, it's been a big, big struggle. So make sure your decisions business-wise are based on facts and measurements, metrics, not just your emotions and someone saying, you guys are great, come take care of us up here. <laughs> That's great. And uh, Quab, and thank you both for the, the feedback there and advice. Um, Quab had to clarify, I'll, I will be using the resources to add a location that's smaller and leaner versus adding on to create another monster at 10 years. Perfect. I, I didn't question you at all, Quab. But um, the, I, I think the big takeaway here for everybody that's thinking about expanding is have the same discipline and rigor in your decision, your business decision-making process that you had six months or 18 months ago. Go through and look at space and personnel utilization before you just decide to you know, double the size of your practice or quadruple the size of your practice in the, in the next year or so. Um, Luke, Ashton, Jeff, thank you much for, uh, very much for being on here, for participating, for sharing your, your knowledge and wisdom. It's been a huge honor to uh, talk with you here. How about some love for um, Ashton, Luke, and Jeff in the chat? Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.